Who Rules the World? A new podcast by European Union youth delegates Lucia and Nadia on SoundCloud and other platforms. I am Lucia. And I'm Nadia. In Who Rules the World podcast, we will talk about the European Union and United Nations and all the burning world issues that our generation will have to face when our time comes to rule the world. In this episode, we'll be hosting Paul Siniga, who is a speaker of the Fourth East African Youth Parliament, and also he's one of the influencers of the Our Voice, Our Future campaign. Paul, could you maybe briefly introduce yourself and tell us more about your work? Well, thank you, ladies, uh, for having me on the podcast. My name is Paul Peter Siniga. I am the SDG champion uh, to the United Nations in Tanzania, speaker of the Fourth East African Youth Parliament, and the European Union um, influencer for Our Voice, Our Future campaign, which is a global multilateral campaign initiated by the European Union External Action Service to listen and act on the voices of young people. Uh, that's in a nutshell, but I'm also an entrepreneur, uh, a social media influencer, and an overall um, youth advocate who wants young people to be at the center of decision-making. Thank you so much, and so great to hear about all your great work. Really, congratulations on that. So talking about human rights, why do you think that it is important that we celebrate this anniversary? In celebration of the 75 years of the Declaration of Human Rights, it is imperative to me as a young person because we've come a long way and we've passed through a lot of trajectories in order to achieve the freedom and the access to uh, some of the rights that we are uh, having right now as young people of the, of the globe. Um, the 75 years is not a joke. And I think um, as young people, we need to really rethink on how we're going to reshape and act on this, the 75 years to come of human rights. So I think it all starts with us right now uh, as young persons in the, in the change-making ecosystem. We all need to uh, listen to our voices and we all need to scrutinize our communities and the challenges that we face as young people. And we need to address these issues um, you know, uh, strategically on how we lobby with our policymakers and how we want to achieve those policymakers to reflect on the rights that we need as young people. Um, it is imperative to me as well, uh, as a young person um, from the African continent, to see to it that my fellows, young people, also understand the concept of human rights, are also aware and well-versed on what they actually need to achieve in order for sustainable development to occur. So human rights are really important to me. You're also a very big advocate for education, especially when it comes to uh, teaching about the importance of human rights and also securing the human rights. So why do you say why this correlation is so, so, so important? Why do we have to emphasize it? And also maybe to have like any concrete examples uh, how education can actually enhance the human rights. Education in correlations to human rights is, is an important notion and concept to me because um, education is what emancipates us as young people uh, to escape from poverty. When uh, we are educated, when we receive quality education, an education that meets the 21st century demands, then we're able to fight for our human rights. We're able to uphold the values of the UN and its partner states and its uh, members' organizations and also its stakeholders um, like civil society and other parties. So I think um, education plays a vital role on how we as young people are shaping uh, the current 75 uh, years of human rights and the next 
75 of, of years of human rights will be shaped by how we educate young people, how we train young people, uh, what opportunities are there through education for young people, um, what resources are provided towards education. So I think these two concepts um, are highly interdependent to each other. Education to me equals human rights. Education to me equals values of human rights. Education to me equals what we want to achieve for human rights. Amen. Agree on that. Yeah, so, so maybe to, to follow up on that, one of my biggest concerns is really that, you know, human rights, that is something that we talk about here at the UN, but it's not really something that, you know, changes people's everyday life. What do you think that we can do to, to ensure that all these discussions about human rights and education for, for that sake actually makes a difference for, for people in their local everyday life? I have this saying as, as, as advocates, as leaders, um, as policymakers, we always approach things with a rhetorical manner because we have, we don't face much of the effects that these uh, challenges, um, have on our lives. But I think it is, it is crucial for us to rethink and reshape, uh, the values and the notions of how we react towards the beneficiaries of the programs or implementation of programs that we are undertaking. So it is, it is imperative for me to see that there is enough political will, there is enough financing, there is enough investment in resource and mobilization, there is enough human capital, all to coming together to invest in the accessibility and the upholdance of human rights. So you already talked now about, you know, some of the aspects of our society that are promoting the human rights. Uh, but unfortunately, universal human rights are still not achieved. What do you say, which aspects of the society are maybe the most crucial we have to still improve or are this weakest link? I think the, the most crucial um, and the most undermined rights at the current context of our generation is women and youth rights. Yeah. We are not getting enough of the piece of the pie and stakeholders have just been there talking and talking but nothing is being done mm. and i think there's more and more that needs to be done women across the world are facing challenging situations i mean let's just look at the bare minimum example of menstrual education menstrual hygiene menstrual products or sanitary products that a lot of young women across the world cannot have access to but yet people have money to buy weapons so we need to rethink how we really want to shape our world in terms of the next 75 years of human rights. So my urge to the global community is if we want to march together, we have to invest a lot more in human rights and investment, not just in talking, not just in contracts, not just in pacts, but investment in actual sense of doing things, mm -hmm. uh, actual sense of leadership that is people-centric, leadership that is collective, leadership that listens to what the needs of the people, especially the young population, mm -hmm. wants. So you also have to walk the walk and not just talk, talk the to talk, right? yes. Yeah. Perfect. And talking about the people, what do you think that we can do to involve the civil society even more? And what role do you think that the civil society plays in, in regards to, to human rights? Uh, I think the biggest thing that we can do as citizens of the world, uh, regardless of our borders, regardless of our policies and international laws, the biggest thing that we can ever contribute to Earth and leave this Earth a better place is for us to raise our voices. And that is why I advocate for our voice, our future.
of a generation. We have to raise our voices. Let's use social media. Let's use laws. Let's uh, let's go to court if we have to. Let's use all the mechanisms uh, that are there for us to implement and leverage on in order for us to fight for human rights. And I and, and I don't speak about a fight that has to be violent. I speak of a fight that can be dialogue. Dialogue is the best healing solution to everything. And I think um, we as young people of now, we have that power. We have that power to shape our future. We have that power to shape the leadership that we want. And we have the voices for to demand accountability. So speaking about also the leaders and the bigger institutions, uh, obviously you're coming from the EU side, you're coming from the AU, the African Union side, um, and our two unions, they have a strong collaboration on multiple topics, everything from the green transition, but also the human rights is at the forefront is it's very important to both of us. Um, so how do you think these partnerships and collaborations like the one between the EU and AU can contribute actually uh, to promote human rights around the world, not just in our respective countries and unions. In my perspective, the European Union and the African Union partnership has been a long-standing, brotherly, uh, friendly relationship that has um, transcended a lot of uh, areas. Uh, if you look at democracy, um, the EU-AU partnership has really fostered democracy in Africa, uh, but not just Africa, even the European Union sometimes seeks advice from Africa to see uh, in what context um, EU can improve its ways. Um, partnerships in climate action through the European Union Green Deal, which also Tanzania has been a beneficiary of, and I've been fortunate to partner with the EU to work through the Green Deal and promote it to young people, and especially with... Um, uh, planning of greener cities, yeah. which we all know that greener cities are the future. Yeah. Um, we've seen greener cities in Europe as well. So that's one thing. And the other thing is the EU's agenda on youth um, under the commissioner, uh, Jutta Hupilainen, which has been really, really highly uh, received in Africa. Um, also, pre, uh, It has been also post-launched in Tanzania. Uh, and I'm thankful Tanzania also has been the first country in Africa to actually have a reception to receive uh, the commissioner and, and for her to share on what um, the, the Youth Action Plan is doing. So I think um, the EU is on the right track in partnership with the AU, uh, in fostering democracy, fostering agriculture and agribusiness, um, supporting uh, small medium enterprises and investments, um, collaborating with stakeholders such as civil society and uh, and political parties and, and, and uh, the private sector. But also the greatest asset is the technological exchange. The EU supports a lot of uh, uh, human capital uh, exchange uh, between African experts and European experts. So these have been long-standing partnerships for many years. Thank you so much and, and really interesting. So you talked a lot about, you know, what the EU and the AU uh, currently does in regards to, to promoting human rights. What do you think that uh, the European Union and the African Union could do even better in the upcoming years? Now you talked about, you know, we have seen the 75 uh, past years, a lot of things have happened, but, you know, looking forward, what, what more needs to happen? In the next 75 years of human rights, through the EU um, AU lens of partnership, I foresee uh, an European Union, African Union partnership that uh, fosters youth participation at high level uh, and not just rhetoric to, to reiterate, but more of uh, at, at an implementation level where young people are included uh, in this decision making tables, young people are put at the center of um, 
you know, the actions as beneficiaries of the program, uh, funding for youth-led organizations because they are they work closely with young people and they understand more young people, um, strengthening uh, political ties uh, between the African states and the European states, uh, but also fostering education uh, through exchange program, uh, experts program, and and uh, teaching and and so forth. But also, I foresee human rights being upholded uh, under the AU EU partnership through um, women's rights. Uh, you know, development of women programs, uh, development of small medium enterprises, more equity and financial inclusion. And I think these are some of the things the EU and Africa um, can work on in order to produce a more better future for these two continents and a more fruitful partnership for the next 75 years of uh, human rights. So the EU-AU collaboration still has a long way to go, uh, but also it's up to the youth of this continent to continue the fights. We are one of the examples, you know, of advocating for the human rights. Um, and at the end, I'm just curious, actually, what do you think is like kind of the main tipping point in your life or what was one event that made you think, well, I have to really get personally invested and advocate for human rights? For me, the tipping point of why I wanted to advocate for human rights was um, the inequality in education. Um, as a young boy in primary school, I realized early on that I had better advantage at receiving quality education than my other peers or age mates. So that got me wondering a lot about why um, am I blessed to have this opportunity than other young people? So I started movements in my school to raise funds for orphanages, um, to buy clothes and shoes for orphanages or underprivileged kids, to initiate um, the United Nations Model UN Clubs, just for us to meet as young people, discuss our problems, and, and see how we can solve the little that we could in our community. So community-based action really is what has shaped me to become the young leader that I am today. And I think um, I will keep on fighting for quality education uh, with or without the resources that, that are available to me. I will try at my level best because at the end, um, if you want to make change, uh, you have to have certain spark in you. You just have to believe in yourself that you can make change within your community. So thank you so much, Paul, for taking the time to talk with us, to be the host on our podcast. Uh, you are certainly a very inspiring young champion for SDGs and the human rights. Um, and we wish you all the best in your career. And hopefully we, are, we can also work together as in the EU-AU collaboration in the future. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm privileged to have this opportunity and much honored. And I foresee uh, a better future for all of us as young people. And I look forward to meeting you guys on the helms of decision-making tables where now we get to be decision makers and implement all that we've been working on on our youth journeys thank you thank you, thank so you. this was who rules the world podcast by european union youth delegates lucia and nadia wrw coming soon with next episode on soundcloud and other platforms